Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. episode in the sacrament series that we are doing on undying light and uh so far we've really taken a look at uh, baptism and from the perspective of what the scriptures say so week one we took an adventure to discuss the difference between sacraments and an ordinance and uh you know as this episode is being recorded it is the 15th of march uh, and we uh, are going to probably air these sometime in May, maybe even later than that, depending on how fast I work through the other commentaries. Um, but all of that aside, thus far, my patrons who have early access to these shows have really enjoyed uh, the first two. And so I hope to continue to articulate uh, this particular view uh, from the Lutheran perspective. And as always, we will pay respect to the Reformed communities, and we'll look at uh, how they determine uh, baptism. And interestingly enough, there's differences between the Reformed, whether it's Calvinist or non-Calvinist, Baptist, Presbyterian, non-denominational. So we're going to look at all of that. And we want to put it all out on the table and let you see what is best. Obviously, coming from a Lutheran perspective, I have more Lutheran ammunition to lay out on the table for you. But we'll also do our best, and I believe, uh, if he's listening to the show, I have a guest, Thomas, from Redeeming Meditations, who would join me for one of those Baptist episodes and uh, explain to us how the Baptist view the uh, sacrament, or in their case, the ordinance of baptism. Uh, once we conclude this baptismal series, then we're going to look at the Lord's Supper, and then we will continue on with some other uh, doctrinal topics in the Lutheran theology. And then we might just kind of meander through various things. I really don't have an ending date for this series. Uh, I really want to articulate a lot of things from the Lutheran perspective. 
So that is uh, kind of the headline of the show. Again, um, some of these shows may be a little bit longer or shorter depending on my time constraints. Uh, last week's episode was uh, a little bit shorter than the week before, and I, I try to want to keep these at about the 30-minute mark or less. Um, but, you know, I'm essentially having to do three episodes a week right now because I'm doing a Friday, a Tuesday, and then this to get ahead of the curve. But once I'm done with the Book of Concord, then I'll have quite a few weeks where I can just take it easy. So do the work now, take it easy and a little bit down the road for a little bit, and then we'll get back into some heavy workloads for me. But last week we spent a majority of the time looking at some text, and I left with the uh, kind of a... uh, I'd say it's a throat punch to many people because a lot of people don't like this particular verse uh, where Peter says in First Peter chapter 3, verses 21 through 22, uh, and he's actually uh, equating baptism to the saving of Noah and his seven family members uh, and the waters and the flood. Uh, Peter's equating uh, baptism to represent that. It's uh, Noah and the flood were a type of baptism to come. The, uh, God saved the people through the ark and uh, preserved them. And uh, that is now what Peter's referencing to. But then we see other uh, interesting correlations between the Old Testament and New Testament where, uh, like, for instance, the Israelites are baptized in the Red Sea. Um, You could say that that's a form of baptism. They used water as a means to save God's people from Pharaoh. Uh, And now we get to uh, what Peter's writing in the New Testament when he says baptism, which corresponds to this. This uh, points back to Noah and the saving of his family. Uh, Peter goes on to say, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for good, for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God. With angels, authorities, and powers have been uh, subjected to him, for if we have been united with him in a death like his, we are and we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Peter here's kind of using some Pauline language, if you would, and uh, he's doing so um, to uh, articulate the the power of baptism. And again, I, I find just some people, and and I, and I really this is kind of a broad scope. They come in all different denominations and backgrounds some people just don't like that verse because they don't like the idea that water can save a person but it's not water it's god's word and when you pair god's word with water it becomes a sacrament and that is how god is determined to um, save and preserve his people so what we want to do in this week's episode is spend some time looking at some early church fathers and again this will uh probably take us through um, maybe not all of the text, but we're going to look at those verses and, uh, that we talked about in last week's episode, and then we're going to look at it through the eyes of uh, the uh, early church, because I want to continue to show uh, the importance of what the church has done and how can we uh, articulate and understand that. And Obviously, there's going to be people who are going to argue, uh, even with these verses uh, and the early church fathers pointing to them. Uh, There could be some, uh, you could say, pushback uh, because they might say something that might seem a little contradictory elsewhere. But what we want to really focus on is not necessarily where we find any sort of 
uh, conflicts or contradictions because that we, we would be a you know trying to find a needle in a, in a haystack, if you would, um, just as like it is to try and find a contradiction in Scripture if you understand proper context. So uh, let's begin with Acts chapter 2, verses 37 through 39. I will read these again. Now, when they had heard this, they were cut off, cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. First, I want to uh, bring attention as uh, we will look at some of these early church fathers articulate, hopefully and probably better than I will, but I want to equate the forgiveness of sins is salvation. Because if we understand salvation as being forgiven of our sins, then again, Peter is right here telling us that baptism is a means to save us. It is a means uh, to go through. And we'll talk a little bit uh, once we get through this little portion on on, uh, the early church and the, you know, use of baptism for adults versus baptism for babies and why does scripture not necessarily direct or directly give us examples of infant baptism, which some of the more modern churches would like to adhere to. They don't want to um, confess, if you would, and I and I say this kind of boldly, they don't want to say that when Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, when his whole household is baptized, they don't want to say there could have been children there because there very well could have been. Because the literature and the language used in that context would point us to this understanding that literally everybody uh, from infant, newborn to servant, slave would have been baptized because Cornelius was. So uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more in depth as we move along. So that's Acts chapter 2. This is what Barnabas says. Um, And this is a letter of Barnabas. This was dated uh, circa 74 AD. And this is what he says. Uh, Regarding baptism, we have the evidence of Scripture that Israel would refuse to accept the, uh, quote, washing which confers the remission of sins and would set up a substitution of their own instead. Psalm 1, verses 3 through 6. Observe here how he describes both the water and the cross in the same figure. His meaning is, blessed are those who go down into the water with their hopes set on the cross. Here he is saying that after we have stepped down into the water, burdened with sin and defilement, we come up with the bearing fruit and the reverence in our hearts and the hope of Jesus in our souls. That is what Barnabas says. Again, and these are the earliest church fathers. So this is, you know, as, as close to the time of the apostles as possible. This is what Hermaeus says. Uh, this is, again, a letter called The Shepherd. Um kind of a scripturally based it's got four chapters breaks down of verses and things like that so let us see what we have in front of us i gotta bring back my notes here i had to pause really quick for you so hermaeus says this i have heard sir and i to the shepherd from some teacher that there is no other repentance except that which took place quote when we went down into the water and obtained the remission of of our former sins. He said to me, you have heard rightly, for so it is. That comes circa 80 
AD. Uh, Irenaeus in 189 in his letter uh, against heresies, and uh, this is what he writes. He says, and when we come to refute them, the Gnostics, we shall show in its fitting place that this class of men have been instigated by Satan to a denial of that baptism, which is, which is regeneration to God, and thus to a renunication of the whole Christian faith. For the baptism instituted by the visible Jesus was for the remission of sins. He also says later here, Now faith occasions this for us, even as, even as the elders and the disciples of the apostles have handled it, handed it down to us. First of all, it bids us to keep in mind that we have received baptism for the remission of sins. In the name of God the Father, and in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who was incarnate, died, and rose again. In the Holy Spirit of God, this baptism is a seal of eternal life and the new birth into, unto God that we shall no longer be the sons of mortal men, but of the eternal and perpetual God. This is the demonstration of apop, apostolic preaching dated circa 192 AD. Cyprian of Carthage writes this in 253 AD. In his letters, he says, as to what pertains to the case of infants, you, Phytus, said that they ought not to be baptized within the second or third day after birth, that the old law of circumcision must be taken into consideration, and that you did not think that one should be baptized and sanctified within the eighth day after his birth. In our council, it seemed to us far otherwise. No one agreed to the course which you thought should be taken. Rather, we all judge that the mercy and grace of God ought to be denied to no man born. If, in the case of worse sinners than those who formerly sinned much against God, when afterwards they believe, the remission of their sins is granted and no one is held back from baptism and grace. How much more than should an infant not be held back, who, having been recently been born, has done no sin? Except that, born of the flesh, according to Adam, he has contradicted, he has contracted the, uh, the sin of the old death and from his first being born. For this very reason does he, an infant, approach more easily to receive the remission of sins, because the sins forgiven him are not his own, but those of another. Now, uh, again, we're still looking at this text from... Uh, the ver the verse in Acts, so I do want to make sure that you're aware that we've not moved on to any other uh, passage yet. This is uh, the, what the Nicene Creed states, and this is, again, some uh, continuation of early church fathers here. So let's examine the Nicene Creed. Now, I'll, I'll give you this. If you're looking for a really good history of the Nicene Creed, the form formulation and all of that, uh, I advise you to go and listen to Nick's podcast, Christ is a Cure, as he is working himself through the Nicene Creed, uh, the history and formation of it, and all of the elements behind it. And then he's also doing a deep dive into the doctrine laid out in the Nicene Creed. But pretty bluntly, the Nicene Creed states this in uh, 325 AD, and I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. 
Gregory of Nazarene uh, says this in his orientation on holy baptism, and this is circa 388 AD. And I say circa, most of these are not uh, specific dates, so they could be you know, within a year or two range. Do you have an infant child? Allow sin no opportunity, rather. Let the infant be sanctified from childhood. For his most tender age, let him be consecrated by the Spirit. Do you fear the seal of baptism because of the weakness of nature? Or what a, a pusillanimous mother and how of and of how little faith. Uh, throwing kind of an insult at the mother for denying baptism. Well enough, some will say for those who ask for baptism. And what do you have to say about those who are still children and aware neither of loss nor of grace? Shall we baptize them too? Certainly, I respond. If there is any pressing danger. Better than to be better that they are to, uh, be sanctified unaware, than that they are to depart unsealed and uninitiated. Uh, I always butcher this guy's last name. I I don't know if I've even heard it pronounced um, that I you know right. And John Christostun. Uh, again, probably if if any of you uh, early church father. Uh, theologians out there know how to pronunciate that just send me a voice message it would be wonderful so this is in baptismal catechisms in augustine against julian this is circa 388 a.d john writes so you see how many are the benefits of baptism and some think its heavenly grace consists only in the remission of sins but that we have enumerated 10 honors it bestows for this reason we baptize even infants Though they are not defiled by personal sins, so that they may be given to them holiness, righteousness, adoption, inheritance, brotherhood with Christ, and that they may be his members, Christ's members. Uh, Augustine, again, we're still looking at the, chap, uh, the, the scripture from Acts. Augustine says this, What the universal church holds, not as instituted, uninvented by councils, but as something always held is most correctly believed to have been handed down by apostolic authority. Since others respond for children so that the celebration of sacrament may be complete for them, it is certainly unavailing to them for their consecration because they themselves have not, are not able to respond. This is coming from On Baptism Against the Dantonists. Uh, this is again around 400 A.D. Uh, Augustine goes on in 408 AD to state this in the literal interpretation of Genesis. He says the custom of the mother church in baptizing infants is certainly not to be scorned, nor is it to be regarded in any way as superficious, nor is it to be believed that its tradition is anything except apostolic. And finally, Augustine writes in his letters around 412 AD, so Cyprian was not issuing a new decree, but was keeping to the most solid belief of the church in order to uh, correct some who thought the infants ought not to be baptized before the eighth day after the birth. He agreed with the certain with a he agreed with certain of his fellow bishops that a child is able to be duly baptized as soon as he is born. All right, so now we have this Council of Milium. This is uh, the second one, I guess, that uh, took place. I honestly am not familiar with this council meeting. 
Um, but there have been many councils through, throughout the church history. So uh, only the big ones, you know, like uh, Council of Constantinople, the Nicene Creed, uh, the Council of Nicaea, all of these uh, are prominent. But uh, this is um, this is where we kind of fall into play. And uh, so let's take a look and see what uh, exactly this council is saying. Uh, before I do, I have to preference. Uh, I am currently watching my six-month-old son, so he's on my lap right now, and hopefully uh, we won't have many interruptions, but you might hear some uh, baby sounds in the background. That's my son, you know, family man doing a podcast. What better uh, means for these young ones to hear the gospel than to sit with their daddy as he records a podcast on scripture. So this is what the Council of Millennium uh, the second says, whoever says that infants fresh from their mother's wombs ought not to be baptized or say that they are indeed baptized into the remission of sins, but that they draw nothing of original sin of Adam, which is expedited in the bath of regeneration. Let them be anathema, excommunicated, since what the Apostle Paul says, though one man sin entered through the world into the world and the death through sin. And so passed to all men in all in whom all have sinned. Romans five twelve must not be understood otherwise that the Roman that the Catholic Church spread uh, everywhere has always understood it. For on account of this rule of faith, even infants who themselves thus far have not been able to commit any sin are therefore truly baptized into the remission of sins, so that they uh, so that which they contracted from generation may be cleansed in them by regeneration. This is Canon 3, dated 416 AD. And finally, on Acts chapter 2, the Council of Carthage, to investigate Pelagianism, uh, May 1st, 408, this is what Canon 2 states. If any man says that newborn children need not be baptized, or that they are in, uh, that they need to be baptized for their remission of sins, but not, but that they have not in them uh, no original sin inherited from Adam, which must be washed away in the bath of regeneration so that there is the formula of baptism for the remission of sins must not be taken literally, but figuratively. Let him be anathema, because according to Romans 5.12, the sin of Adam is passed upon all. So that is just one verse of many where we have some of the early church fathers. Now we're going to go to Titus, and that'll probably wrap out the show for this week. Uh, again, I'm, we're taking our time working through this doctrine, ex, you know, talking about it, looking at the, the early church fathers. I have uh, 30 pages of notes from uh, early church fathers, and we're only on page nine. So uh, let's keep going. And again, if this takes us five weeks, it's going to take us five weeks. I'm okay with that. Uh, Titus chapter three, verses four through seven. Let's read those again. But... When the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is how the earliest Christians understood this text. Theophilus of Antioch in AD 181 says this, Moreover, these things which were created from the waters were blessed by God, so that this might also be a sign that men 
would at a future time receive repentance in the remission of sins through water and the bath of regeneration to all who proceed to the truth and are born again receive the blessing from God. Clement of Alexandria says this uh, as an instructor to children in 191 AD. He says, when we are baptized, we are enlightened. Being enlightened, we are adopted as sons. Adopted as sons, we are made perfect. Made perfect, we become immortal. And the sons of the Most High, Psalm 82, verse 6. The work is variously called grace, illumination, perfection, and washing. It is by the washing. Of, it is a washing by which we are cleansed of sins, a gift of grace, by which the punishments due our sins are remitted, an illumination by which we behold the holy light of salvation. Uh, Hippolytus says this in 215 A.D. The in his. Uh, Right, works the apostolic tradition. He says, And the bishop shall lay his hand upon them, the newly baptized, invoking and saying, O Lord God, who did count these worthy of deserving the forgiveness of sins by the laver of regeneration? Make them worthy to be filled with your Holy Spirit and send upon them thy grace and confirmation that they may serve you according to, his, according to your will. Cyprian of Carthage, again, another proponent that we just read earlier, uh, he says this in uh, to the Dante, Dante, Dantonists uh, in 246 AD. He says, while I was lying in darkness, I thought it indeed difficult and hard to believe that divine mercy was promised for my salvation so that anyone might be born again and quickened into new life by the lever of the saving water. He might pull off what he had been before and although the structure of the body remained, he might change himself in soul and mind. But afterwards, when the saints of my past life, the stain of my past life has been washed away by means of the water of rebirth, a light from above poured itself upon my chastised or chastened and now pure heart. Afterwards, though the spirit which is breathed from heaven, a second birth is made me a new man. Basil the Great says this. In 379, on his sermons of moral and practical subjects, he says, For prisoners, baptism is ransom, forgiveness of debts, the death of sin, the regeneration of the soul, as a, uh, res as a uh, garment, an unbreakable seal, a chariot to heaven, a royal protector, a gift of adoption. Uh, one, of, one of my more favorite early church fathers, Ambrose of Mil Milan here, says in 381 A.D. Uh, in his works of the Holy Spirit, he says, Who is the one who is born of the Spirit and is made spirit? It is one who is renewed in the Spirit and in his mind. It is one who is regenerated by water and the Holy Spirit. We receive the hope of eternal life through the laver of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. And elsewhere, the Apostle Peter says, You shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. For who is he that is baptized with the Holy Spirit? but he who is born again through the water and the Holy Spirit. Therefore, the Lord said to the Holy Spirit, truly, truly, I say to you, said of the Holy Spirit, truly, truly, I say to you, except a man be born again by water and spirit, he cannot truly enter the kingdom of God. And therefore, he declared that we are to be born of him into the kingdom of God by being born again by water and spirit. Again, here comes that lovely name, John Christoston. My apologies for butchering your name. This is on baptismal instructions in 387 AD. He says, There came out of this side water and blood, 
that came out of his side, water and blood. Beloved, do not pass this mystery by without a thought, for I, for I have still another mystical explanation to give. And that there was a symbol of baptism and the mysteries in that blood and water. It is from both of these that the church has sprung through the bath of regeneration, the renewal of the Holy Spirit, through baptism and the mysteries. But the symbols of baptism and the mysteries, water and blood, come from the side of Christ. It is from his side, therefore, that Christ formed his church just as he formed Eve from the side of Adam. Uh, Augustine has a couple quotes here. Uh, we're going to just read one of these uh, from his sermons in eighty four seventeen. He says, uh, if the forgiveness of sins is not to be had in the church, there would be no hope for a future life and eternal liberation. We thank God who gave his church such a gift. Here you are. You are coming you are going to come to the Holy Font, and you will be washed in saving baptism and renewed in the bath of rebirth. You will be without any sin at all as you come up out from the bath. All of these things are plaguing you in the past will be blotted out. Plaguing you in the past. My apologies. Uh, all right, let's read the Council of Milium uh, 2 and the Council of Carthage here. Uh, so, first council, whoever says that infants fresh from the mother's womb ought not to be baptized you know we actually just read this so both of these statements on uh, these councils so uh, that will well, we're going to pause here uh, as again I'm trying to juggle my six month old child who wants to wiggle and squirm out of my arms and like do pull ups and stuff already this kid's a tank he eats like a monster so <laughs> uh, alright guys I hope you've enjoyed this quick walk through uh, we were about halfway through, so we'll probably do this in another episode or two. Um, maybe next week we'll just work through the rest of the text and just not worry about time. But I want to make sure that we spend the opportunity now to uh, kind of hammer out and get this uh, taken care of. And uh, you know, I, I hope it uh, you guys are enjoying this series. So please let us let me know if you have suggestions, questions, or anything that can be helpful. Uh, and we'll work them in as the time comes. So until uh, Friday, because this will be a Tuesday drop, until Friday, have a great week. God bless. We'll see you later.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.